This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing and collaborative storytelling. Recorded at Save Against Fear 2017, it's bonus episode 11. In this episode, Jenny and Shannon Dixon recap Save Against Fear 2017, held in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, by the Bodana Group. Saving the Game. I'm Jenny. I'm Shannon. And this is a convention recap for Save Against Fear. Uh, The con literally ended an hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's October 15th, and we're just going to basically do a quick recap. So we drove down to Harrisburg on Thursday. So uh, that that was a nine-hour drive, so we wanted to take a full day to do that. The drive down wasn't too bad, was it? No, it was good. Yeah, the border crossing was really fast. Very smooth. We we gave simple answers to simple questions and looked sweet and innocent. Yeah. So um, the Friday was really slow. It started very slow because, of course, it was being held in a mall, a disused section of the mall that they had made arrangements to use, and... They couldn't set up until the mall was open. And it opened at 10. And Mum's game was it. I hadn't thought about this and my game was supposed to be at 10.30, but most of the people who were there were setting up. Or playing Pathfinder. Or vendors. Yeah. So I was very fortunate that Jenny and two other people whom we know. Brandon and Steph. uh, Brandon as in former host of Saving the Game, Brandon. And they were happy to play my game, so I wasn't sitting there disconsolate. We had fun. <laughs> yeah, we did have fun. It was a it was a good session. It was your uh, level one, method one. Level one, method one. Start as serfs, come out as yeomen by having survived a week. Yeah. For those who don't know, level one, method one, you roll all of your stats in order, and that's what you have, and that's what you have to deal with. I rolled... What was it? It was like three 15s. 15, 15, 16, 15, there was no, 16. There were, no, there were no 16s. It was like 15, 14, 15, 12, 13, 14, 15. Something like that. It was ridiculous. So, yeah, that was interesting. I was a very intelligent but uneducated farmer. So the con did start. Very slowly, you mm-hmm. could see that there were little clusters of people playing, many more clusters of people rushing around setting things up, mm-hmm. which gave us plenty of time to go over and meet some of the vendors and people displaying their games. There were many uh, small game designers and, mm-hmm. and producers there mm-hmm. who were very happy to show off their many excellent and interesting oh, yeah. games. Um, the first day there, I got to play a game called uh, Dream Chasers by P- Petrusha who's a super nice guy, and uh, one of his friends as well, and uh, another designer that was there, Xander. And uh, yeah, it it was really fun. So we were pretending that we were breaking out of uh, a science lab of some kind. And uh, I was an experiment, uh, or a person that had been severely experimented on, so I was full of rage and yelling. and that, that was a very fun game to play. And I just got to talk to them for quite a while. Just cool guys in general. It was a good time. It was very good. So Friday started slow. By Friday evening, 
There were a few more people, more but not people. that many. It was more like people cycled through throughout Friday. Because, like, Friday is a work day and a school day. So not a lot of people could make it. But it was starting to get a little more intense. Saturday, people showed up. Oh, yeah. They showed up many big people. time. A lot of kids, too. Like, because many pa- parents brought who, uh, of both the game designers and the artisans and the the game players brought their kids, which mm-hmm. was really fun. Yeah, it's it's so good to see that the hobby is going to grow. Assuming these children don't reject everything their parents teach them, this game, th- this hobby is definitely growing in a big way, and it's really nice to see. Big way and a healthful way. I. I Played with an, a games with a number of of the junior element, and they were courteous and intelligent players. They took care for the feelings of others at the tables, and they applied themselves well to playing well. Mm. It was a very good experience. I've had generally positive experiences with children and playing, and this was among the top experiences I've had. That's really good. I honestly, I'm trying to remember Saturday. Saturday and and some of Friday was all a big blur to me. It was very busy. We started off our Saturday playing, or starting to play a game called, oh no, wait, first we played, um, we never even play tested this or something like that, which is a good game. And I've played it before, um, though it's been a while. Mom, you hadn't played it before. I had not yet played. We haven't play tested this game at all. It was so much fun. I must get a copy. It was fun. I, I believe there were copies of it being sold around. They're they're not expensive. It's, no, I just didn't see it at the time. Yeah, we can get it. I, I've seen it at our. We can get it at our uh, FLGS too, so we can get it there. But um, so we started off with that. We also played a game called oh, what was it? Starfall. Starfall. Which very simple. It it kind of let me down because I'd been looking forward to playing that game for a long time, and it was so simple and didn't take much brain exactly. That I just felt sort of let down. I was like, oh, this game can be finished in 10 minutes. It is and a simple game that can be finished in 10 minutes that would not challenge a 12-year-old unduly. Wouldn't tra- challenge an 8-year-old unduly. Uh, Grant, your kid could play this game. Your kid could play with this game at any rate, and yeah. that's half the fun. She's four. She can take, she can take it. She's learning math. Good way it. to learn math. A good way to learn math. Very simple the, math. The scoring system is very similar to Sushi Go. If you can play Sushi Go, then you can you can play Star Starfall quite easily. So we we started off with those. Um, a cool thing that <laughs> that they got to do at, at Save Against Fear this year. I don't know if they've done it in previous years, um, but Mom, your pants are so noisy. The mic is picking them up. <laughs> Mom is wearing very nice, fancy pants that she that she got at the Harrisburg Mall where the uh, con was. That you know what? That's the thing to be said. This location was fantastic. This was a new location for the convention, and it was so so good. There was food within easy reach. It was wheelchair accessible, like to the extreme. Like it was on the first floor, in a main area of the mall. It used to be. Uh, either a department store or part of a department store. Yeah. So there's pillars with mirrors everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's flat. It's flat. There is carpeting. There's plenty of room. I know that there was at least um, one person there, uh, one one of the days with a wheelchair there. There was plenty of room between each of the tables to get wheelchairs and, and walkers by. The sound quality for 
so many people. Apparently, they were, there were about two hundred people who came. Yeah, they brought. They, that's they another thing. Two hundred level this year. So and for so many people and some really quite loud games. And we know that this mm-hmm. is a hobby where, where we like to be enthusiastic, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing. The Star Wars soundtrack featured heavily. But you could hear each other. You could hear each other at at your table. You could hear each other to raise your voice and yell, "Hey, Jenny!" across the room. And be heard and yet not disturb everybody. Yeah. Because of its location, the sound quality was good. Yeah. There was enough sound damping, enough sound carrying. It was easy. My voice has come out of this much better than it usually does for a convention. Yeah, same. It was very pleasant mm-hmm. to have a location. There are a few minor issues with the site. Yeah, but the, I feel the, the washrooms need work, but that's about it. And there are other washrooms in. The, and I feel in that in that the mall knows that we that they they, they wish to do it again next year. Mm-hmm. Some of these minor issues are li- liable to be resolved, and they're not game breakers anyway. Yeah. it was a comfortable, pleasant place to be. Definitely, yeah. The chairs too. The chairs, oh, the chairs. Yeah, bring a cushion. Yeah, these bring are, a cushion. These are chairs. Make sure that if you have long hair, you have it tied up because the, the chairs bite. The chairs grab hair really easy. You know the way um, plastic chairs do when they've got just the tiniest nick in them, mm-hmm. and then it grabs your hair. So cushion, mind your hair. Otherwise, magnificent. Yes. Um, the tables were interesting. That was another thing. They were very. Long and very narrow. Long, narrow tables covered, they, they had stapled some, you know, that. I had never come across the substance before, so I don't oh, know. I what have. I know what, okay. I know what it is. It, it's cheap plastic tablecloths, but they were stapled in place. They've got a slight texture on yeah, them. Yeah, so it was incredibly non-slip to the point where we couldn't pick up certain cards for games that we were playing. <laughs> it was a pain for deck building games. I will say that. Uh-huh. Um, it was a major issue for deck building games. <laughs> okay, um, for the games I was playing, it had just the right amount of give. Yeah. And it was also thin enough with with not too much texture to prevent easy writing on, uh, which yeah, is a big deal thing. for me. Yeah. So Anyway, so speaking of deck builders, the third game we played on Saturday was a game, we didn't get to finish it, but we got to play a little bit of Spirit Island, which is the one, I think I actually mentioned it on a weekend reading a bunch of weeks ago. You are essentially the island of Catan, but you don't want people settling you. And so you are playing essentially the elements of that island. I played um, a lightning elemental, um, and I liked that one because uh, I could sort of buff other people, but I could also hit really hard myself. So that was very fun. It reminds it's like a combination between combination between settlers of Catan, uh, settlers of Catan and pandemic because there was like the blight that people brought to the island with them. And I was playing an earth elemental, and. I'm bad at deck building games. (laughs) I had fun because I like those people and Mm. I don't like deck building games because they just drive me squirrely. That's fine. It's a wonderful game, which I recommend to everybody else. Yes. Uh, It is currently, it's not officially in print. They ran out of their first printing really, really fast. I don't know if it even made it to stores. They ran out so fast because people were looking forward to this game so much. Uh, there's going to be a Kickstarter, I heard, in late December or mid-December or something like that um, to do a second printing, which if I have the money, I will be jumping on because I love this game and we have a lot of friends who... 
Comfortable, clear graphics. Yes. There's enough visual texture in it that for people who have even, who have any color blindness, it's, there are still enough cues mm-hmm. that it isn't just color, mm-hmm. but the colors are bright and cheerful, which is an odd thing to say about a game, which is about an island rising and rafting yeah. people out. <laughs> but it's a bright, easy to look at game yes. with very clear to read. A lot of texture. I understood what to do. I'm just not good at doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it was really fun. And you had a co-player eventually. because And that worked out really very well because yeah. and then I remembered that I was supposed to be somewhere else. Yeah, I worked we, on we, my schedule before I left. I just left it on the desk. Yeah, we left, we left mom's <laughs> schedule at home. So she had to log in to her email on my phone a couple times to look at it. No, so Spirit Island was good. After that, I think we played a game called Clank. Uh, which is um, another deck builder, but I think it's one that you could get your head around more easily because you have to play all of the cards in your hand at once. There's no choice. Oh, I wandered so, off and did something else. I did, no, yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. if you should get the chance to play Clank, I think it would be a bit of an easier deck builder for you because there's no choice. You Well, there's there's a bit of choice. You get to... There's a map, and you are sort of dungeoneers trying to get all of the highest value artifacts off of the map and out of the dungeon before the dragon wakes up and kills you. And sometimes you make stuff called clank, which is noise that disturbs the dragon. So the more clank you make, sometimes the higher the rewards, but also the higher the likelihood that the dragon will wake up and hurt you. Or that the minions running around the dungeon or whatever will come up and kill you. Um, I almost died. I was one hit point away from death by the end. I lost the game horribly, by the way. I did get out of the dungeon. I got out of there alive. But uh, because I was a wimp and I only went a little bit into the underground bit of the dungeon and um, managed to secure, I think, like a 10-point goblet or something. But that's a fun game. Uh, I got to play that. And I also played, I think I played Small World that day. Small World was a good one. Um, no wait, that was, uh, that was Friday. That was Friday night. I, I got to play Small World again. I haven't played that in ages. I believe we talked about that on the podcast before. Um, but mom, I don't know if you know about it. I remember about Small World. Okay. So basically you are playing the rise and fall of various fantasy races and those races have modifiers on them. And it was really fun. It was a good fun time. So yeah, the Saturday, I then played Seven Wonders in the evening, and that was nice. This is a very board game heavy convention, by the way. Very board game heavy. If you're in, if you enjoy board games, and you also play, do some role playing, and you want to see all the newest and possibly newest board games, and board games that people hope are going to be the newest thing, mm-hmm. then this is a good one for you. What I did Saturday afternoon was I signed up for uh, a fifth edition game that was one of these epic things where uh, a whole bunch of crises are happening to one town at the same time. And I was playing one of the doomed heroes that was attempting to solve the problem. I understand that the convention has a history of this ongoing saga of at least one of the teams, if not all, <laughs> blowing up whatever it is that they are trying to fix. <laughs> I am pleased to say that we are very supportive of tradition <laughs> and that our team, in our effort to disarm a bomb, well, effectively a bomb, 
a, con- a contained fire elemental mm-hmm. explosion bomb. Um, blew up the bomb! You blew, blew up, up the, the bomb! bomb. <laughs> and somebody in our group kept saying, you know, this is appears to, to be a fire elemental, and the rest of you guys are so good at that frost gaze and stuff. We could try that. And I happen to know for a fact that nobody listened to that person. Because that person was you. Yes. <laughs> but that was all right, because we had fun, and it must have been instantaneous anyway. Mm-hmm. So, and we tiptoed out of there. Yeah. Uh, another it thing, was a good game. Yeah. Another thing about Save Against Fear, they have an achievement list. So, oh. if you had marked on your sheet, one of the achievements on the achievement list... Is the graveyard achievement. Is the graveyard achievement. You get a... One of your characters dies during the convention. Um, I technically could have marked that off for the... Uh, oh, or if you put... Game. There was also a different graveyard for you to list characters that died in the course of your event. Oh. And, and, and we did go and list um, the kingdom. Oh. <laughs> we, made, we put a great big gravestone on. <laughs> because it, it did happen. Yeah. Yeah. I like that they have a graveyard. One thing that I... This just reminded me, um, they, they have a lovely help desk for, for the gaming area. Save Against Fear is one of the most chill conventions I've ever been at. In terms of like, if you need a table, there's a table for you. There aren't like numbered tables. I'm so used to table numbers at conventions that tell you where to go. And in a certain way, at least for me, this takes a, a huge amount of stress out of the convention because I'm not worrying about, I have to be at an X table at this time and I have to get ready for all this stuff. I just look for it. And it's not a big enough convention yet that they really need table numbers. Although, they, if it keeps being this size, yeah. next year they might want to do some sort of thing. But yeah. people do like the very free and loose table situation mm-hmm. because there, are, there were more tables than could possibly have been used. But they were thinking, some of us were well, talking... at the peak on Saturday, I think every table was being used. But, but. but some of us, including... I was with a group of people, including some organizers, and we're thinking, yeah, table numbers, no, people don't want that. But there's all these pillars. You could put symbols on On. random pillars. Yeah. (laughs) And for instance, I have one game system that I always like to play. I want to get a poster. I want to make a post, get a poster or banner made of the cover of that game system book. Yeah. Well, and I could just, you know, slap that up on the yeah. pillar nearest the table that I end up being on. Yeah. Because even if you aren't up for playing the game, like people still come around and ask, oh, hey, what you guys playing? Oh, that's really cool. Keep on, keep on doing what you're doing. And, and sometimes it would be, oh, good. We're short one. We can pretend that you were here and just off in the bathroom. Here, have yeah. a character sheet. Yeah. The, uh, game help desk would provide lovely little signs saying LFG, standing for looking for looking group. Looking for group. Um, or looking so, for gamers. So if you wanted to play a game and you didn't have enough players, you just got one of those signs from the desk, put it on your table and looked friendly and, you know. Someone will show up. Yep. Someone will show up. But there were most times there were, more tables than being played, which means that you could just go in, wander around, park your stuff in and out of, yeah. on an out of the way table. Mm-hmm. And when you weren't playing a game, you could go back to your stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there was enough space. Yes. Even at the peak, when most of the tables were being used, there was enough space. There yeah. were some roped off rug areas mm-hmm. and you, there was enough space. Yeah. No one felt crowded ever. Yeah. I, although, 
I feel like the vendors could have been organized a little bit differently just because there, there was sort of like a loop of vendors off to the side. And a lot of people would just like go past the side of the loop that was closest to the admin- administration desk, but they never went all the way around the loop because they had um, a couple vendors that had really tall boards behind them. And it almost looked like a walled off section. So they were getting very little business. And I felt really bad because there was one designer in particular and a vendor in particular uh, who were both selling really cool stuff. The the one uh, designer was selling, I believe, demo copies of a game that I actually got to play a demo of because he called me over and was like, do you have an hour? And I'm like, yes. What kind of games do you like to play? I'm like, um, worker placement, deck building, dice rolling goodness. And he's like, have I got a game for you? So I got to play a game that isn't quite out yet called Castle Dice, I believe. And you are trying to build the best castle because whoever of the siblings builds the best castle inherits the kingdom. And it's a really simple premise, a really simple idea for a game with a lot of easy to understand moving parts. Uh, Mom, this is the kind of game that you will love. I've already told you this. I've already told you about this game. Unfortunately, they weren't there on Sunday. So I didn't get to go back and be like, take my money. (laughs) (laughs) And as Jenny says, this game involves great mitfuls of dice. Yes. And what I most look for in a game is great mitfuls of dice. Okay, not what I most look for. (laughs) Sometimes it feels like it. But I do look for great mitfuls of dice. If I can't be rolling huge handfuls of dice, I'm not having enough fun. Dice with weird symbols on them. Because none of the dice have like the standard D6 numbering. It's all... There's chickens and cows and bricks and and rocks and I mean I I would simply you know buy the game and then immediately order a spare set of dice and they would be subverted to my other uses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we just collect we collect novelty dice. It's not an uncommon thing among gamers to collect novelty dice. However, I should probably start separating them because I am starting to reach. A point with my dice bag where it's half novelty dice, half regular dice. And that was getting a little awkward for some games because I was like, I have all of these novelty D6s that won't be of any use to any of the damage I'm trying to deal in this Mistborn game where it's all D6s. What one wants is a saddlebag type arrangement of dice yes. bags where you have the novelty dice in one and you know the, the, the practical. practical dice in the other. Because let's face it, you're going to use all of them eventually anyway. Yeah. I mean, I have dice that I still don't know where I got. And I don't, <laughs> certainly don't know what game they were supposed to be with. Yeah. And they always show up in my game. As a GM, I do lots of things to my players. Mm-hmm. And they're all good. Yeah. And so there were many of that kind of there thing there. Many. There were there were types of dice there I never did get to find out what they were for. Oh, yeah. But it was fun. Yeah. But yes, there was also, I can't remember the name of the local-ish college or university. Oh, uh, I think it's just Harris Harrisburg University. That has a game design program. Yeah. And some of their, their students were... They're very happy to tell us all about their excellent games. Mm-hmm. I played a few rounds of one called Vardo, which is primarily, in fact, very basically, it's story. It's, it's crafting, creatively crafting a story. And I enjoyed it. It was good. You got a copy of it, right? Like, I, it's just a printout of like three pages. This is, I I don't suppose it's his master's thesis, but this is going towards (laughs) his... Yeah, like they were there, the students were there for credit, which I think is really cool that they were able to partner up with Save Against Fear for this specifically. To get credits for presenting their game and taking suggestions. I had very 
long, very long talk with two of these students from from that group. Mm-hmm. One of um, whom I got to play with uh, in uh, Dream Chaser. And we just, it, we started out talking about their two games, and then it morphed into just all sorts of things, including me going on for a little bit about the game setting that I keep threatening to publish. Yeah. And I had renewed interest in that, so I might have to brush the dust off that again, because I still do want to do that. Mm-hmm. But it was very nice talking with a lot of people with similar interests and just hearing what new ideas other people have. It was beautiful. Um, Later on Saturday, I got to play a Cthulhu Invictus game. I had only vaguely heard of Cthulhu Invictus. For those who don't know, it's essentially Call of Cthulhu with an ancient Rome skin put on it. So that was really fun. I was playing a nearly insane firefighter, essentially, a Vigilus... Vigilus? Vigilus? Yeah. Sounds sensible. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was a, a good fun time. Um, there was also a, um, they, they had an escape room there, which was so cool. Both mom and I got to play it, uh, in separate groups though. Our group finished it in, what was it? 13 minutes and 50 seconds out of 15 minutes. It was so much fun. It was just a really fun time. Um, it was a fortune teller theme. Fortune teller theme. Make your way out before it, before the artifact starts sucking your soul away. Yeah. Which was the sucking years away from your life because the other theme in there was time. It was mm-hmm. all about time. Yep. So we had time to solve the puzzles and I'm not going to give any hints, especially if I could remember them. Mm-hmm. But everybody who went into the room together, each of us noticed uh, a different thing. We all had different perspectives, Mm -hmm. so we were able to work together. In fact, because of the placement of some of the pieces, it didn't work very well if only one person tried to hold the piece together because there were, you know, things things spinning on wheels. And if it worked much better if one person was holding stuff in place. place while the other added the next piece. Yeah. So you really did have to work together. Yeah, I was playing with a guy that I'd played, uh, I'd played Seven Wonders with him. And then I also got to play with a dad and his son who were like escape room experts. These guys love escape rooms and they love doing them. They were super enthusiastic, really like go-getters. Um, they, they were the, uh, the stars of the show, essentially. Um, although I, I, I noticed a thing and I got to help out and that was cool. I love escape rooms. And apparently they're going to be back next year. Uh, they have a big purple tent that they use that they can set up in pr- pretty much anywhere. It's also, I, I don't know if he got to mention this to you, it's waterproof. So oh. they can take this to outdoor events and they they do hope to. Um, and I, I hope they get to. Um, I think the company, it, it's a local one. I think they're called Escape Games Live. They started up something like two years ago. They were like one of the first few escape game companies in the area and yeah they did a really good job they uh it it was an extra like five dollars to get into the escape room but all of that i I, i'm pretty sure all of that went to the bodana group whom we know and love and it was really good to meet jack in person he's such a a nice exuberant guy in person like and he's also one of those people who's like his voice matches his face and his mannerisms and that's so rare and it's so nice to just see that his exuberance really exists. Like, it's not a, a fake thing that he puts on for the mics. That's just Jack. It's just so cool to see him like that. And, uh, yeah. Oh, I also... I'm just going to be skipping around here because my brains are fried. Um, 
I also won a D&D 5th edition module for four to six characters, level 12. And it, I think it's called Into the Dragon's Maw. There's a ridiculous monster in there that I have to share with you. It's called, oh, what is it? It's a something along the, line, along the lines of a Drac Medusa. <laughs> and it's half dragon, half Medusa. How that happened, we'll never know. Oh, I also got to meet a listener who recognized me, which was really cool. Thank you, Sean and Christy. You're super nice. I ended up playing a number of games with Sean and Christy and yeah. greatly enjoyed their company. It was fun. Yeah. We had we had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I, I got to play a Star Wars D20 game with them for about an hour and a half because I had another game to get to, um, the Mistborn game, uh, which was also very fun. But no, yeah, it, that, that game was cool. We were... Helping, oh, what was it? It was like Colonel Akbar or something become Admiral Akbar. And we were going to be stealing ships from uh, the Imperial forces, uh, B-wings or something like that. We were going to get B-wing plans. And I I was a, an ace pilot and I didn't know it because I didn't know how to read the character sheet. <laughs> I was looking at like my dex modifier and I was like, oh, I've only got five points in piloting. And they were like, what side of the page are you looking at? Because we're missing our ace pilot character. And we're all looking at our pages. I'm like, I know. I'm, And I start pointing at like the skill that I have. And they're like, you're pointing at the wrong side of the page. And they point out where my what my actual skill was. And it was 19. So it was almost uh-huh. impossible for me to fail. First flight check I make, natural one crit fail. <laughs> so we lost a gun and a radar within the first five seconds of me realizing I was actually a pilot. But it was very fun, and I got to play with some listeners, and that was that was really cool. Yeah, and we went to church this morning, and we went to Chamber Hill United Methodist Church. And they were very friendly, because, yeah, they're... United Methodists are just friendly people. I don't know if there is a denomination that doesn't have friendly people in it, but this church was super welcoming and very nice... They were also one of the only churches in the area that had an early morning service. So at that we this could, time of year, at especially. At this time of year. Uh, so they had an eight o'clock Bible study that we went to. They also had like the regular service, but starting at nine rather than 10 or 11, like most churches around. So that was good to get to so that we could get back to the convention in time. Uh, what else did I play? Yeah, I played, um, oh my goodness. I played Mistborn and, and Brandon was running that um, along with Stephanie, who played it before. That was a really fun game. I was playing essentially a a politician who had been captured and tortured and was escaping from the law, who had been the ones to capture and torture him, because Mistborn is an incredibly dark setting. Everyone, except a very few select people, are, are like incredibly corrupt and unkind. And so I was essentially running from the law. Most of the people were running from the law because we were pirates. Um, And we were trying to find a guy called Lord Iron Tower. And we found him. And we kind of saved the day. Not entirely, but we kind of saved the day. We helped the day, at least. (laughs) Um, And according to Brandon, we got farther than any play testers had done. Because it is entirely possible to initially think, oh, look, we found Lord Iron Tower. Let's take him and bring him back. And you'd have failed because you didn't bother to look into all of the plot layers. But we looked into the vast majority of the plot layers. We solved the puzzles and we saved the day. 
So, so that, those were, I think that's all the games that I played. I may have played a few other board games and stuff. Um, but I don't remember any at this time. How about you? You, you played a bunch of games. I played a bunch of other games, but I didn't, as I said, I didn't remember the titles because Just I didn't. Just say the plots. The plots are fun. In some cases, I don't actually remember them very well. When I go to a convention, I frequently play out of my normal genre. I play out of my normal intellectual comfort zone, which means that I'm fumbling three quarters of the time <laughs> and I might not remember it. In some cases, I don't have a particularly clear idea of what the name of the game is. And mm. I certainly didn't understand the mechanics of my set, the second last game that I played, <laughs> the nature and plot of which I have entire, I can't remember because I don't think I ever figured out. Oh, <laughs> it was fun. I had fun. I just totally don't remember it. It wasn't just with nice people and I don't remember what happened because I never figured it out. Oh, that's okay. This is why I have, I'm one of those players who has a favorite system and I try not to go too far out of it because otherwise I just make things slow for everybody else. Mm -hmm. But I had lots of fun with good people. I do remember playing things and I just wish I could remember what the name of the last system that I played was because it was one of these ones where if you roll exactly in the middle zone, if you succeed with some qualification or you slightly fail, but then you maintain control of your character. Mm -hmm. And we were playing, this is one of my favorite types of games, actors who were in a, a silly 86 sitcom mm -hmm. and you accidentally, because of Thing, end up in a real situation from which you must escape. If you um, can figure out that you are in a situation from which you must escape. Exactly. Because you're actors. Of course, this is this is all that, because this guy's super into practical effects. Which means you don't mind at all flinging your pipe into somebody's face because it's not real anyway. Yeah, it's just it, a rubber pipe. Clank! Except, <laughs> except it wasn't. And the ash ignited his paper mache mm. mask and he ran off screaming. And you didn't mm. mean to do that to the sunk guy. No. And, but so because you're playing actors, you feel comfortable dropping your inhibitions and, and really being flamboyant players. Yeah. And that, next that thing was, you know, you're playing real things. Yeah. That was one of Jack's games. That was one of yeah, Jack's was, games. That was one of Jack's games. He did very games. well. And uh, it was the con, very the con runner managed to run games at his own con. This Absolutely. is nearly unheard of. Which means that we got the pleasure of playing with him. Yeah. Of course, this being the last game, there kept being small interruptions and gameplay was very slow, which meant we had plenty of time to chat among ourselves and, and strategize and, and enjoy mm -hmm. ourselves. And we didn't actually get to finish the game because then more things came up that he needed to do. Yeah than he could do and also run the game. So yeah. we said that was great and it would have been fun to finish and how much fun we yeah. had. You were playing a 12-year-old. I right? was playing a 10 or 12-year-old adorable little brat. <laughs> she, <laughs> didn't, she didn't mean to me. be a brat. It's just that being precocious, teachers tended to ignore her because she'd already done her work. Mm -hmm. So she got used to getting into trouble and I, I'm good at playing that kind of yeah. character. You wanted a parent... I wanted a parrot. I decided that my character's initial impetus was being dropped in the Amazon with, or, or the, the, uh, somewhere in South America with, with my big brother, uh, an absent-minded father and a scheming secretary and nothing else to do. 
I knew that South America has parrots and I wanted a parrot. <laughs> so I was a useful plot hook by wandering off to look for a parrot mm-hmm. and immediately getting captured by somebody. And well, that just catapulted us into action, didn't it? Yes. It was good. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could remember the name of the system. It started with something pho or fute or something. I don't know. Okay. Sorry. The other one that you played was, I, I want to say, Mizaki something. Yeah. Oh, yes, that one. Yeah. Because that, that one, you there are consequences for every action. Yes. Whatever you do, there's a consequence. And the consequence stays, which is really great. Yeah. So, like, you throw down a trap. That trap now affects your enemies. It affects your enemies. If you step on that spot, it affects you it too. It affects you. <laughs> it happens. This is the game. This is the game that I would think would be very good for our home group because yeah. we live in a town of physicists, and no matter how much we are reminded that this is a game and game magic makes things things happen, we still believe in the laws of physics. You cannot ignore the laws of physics. You cannot ignore the laws of physics. And and so the consequences stay. It makes it a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mizuki. I think it was Mizaki, because I wanted to say Mizaki. Miyazaki, but that's not hey, it. Hey, so. Mizaki and something else, another three-syllable yeah. uh, word starting with T. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. Didn't write it down. Meant to. Uh, uh. That was a game that I was walking past, and they said, hey, we need another one for the, for yeah. the game. Sit down, sit down. And I said, sure. So I even have a reason for not... I mean, I could get up with my noisy pants and go and look and see if I kept the card, but I probably couldn't find it. Yeah. What was... Mom Mom has written down a thing. What's a scream? A in scream the n- in the night. That, that was when... That was the fifth edition epic okay. thing. It started with a, a, a scream in the night and somebody trying to force us into into a carriage. So we went. Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. And we were immediately scooted into the middle of a city, busy burning down because we were supposed to try to find out what was doing it. Mm. Fire and elemental. And it was, you know, somebody re- releasing fire el- elementals because he was mad. Yeah. He died in the end. So did <laughs> everybody. <else. laughs> Last year, apparently in the same uh, uh, event, ga- event a game event. Um, apparently, they destroyed Eberron. Oh my goodness! I can't remember how, oh, but apparently, wow. the thing they did. This is what happens. You see, when you give first level characters, you know, the clueless ones without experience, <laughs> uh, big power and immense scope. Yep. <laughs> yep. Another thing I will say again: this was a very board game heavy convention. Like I am used to when we go to conventions or geek markets or whatever, I'm used to there being like two board game sellers and the rest is like art or um art and cosplay play and, and books and, and, and kitsch and stuff. Yeah. And, and accoutrements. And this was like five board game dealers and a lot of and a, fa- a f- about an equal number, a few more small artisans. The lending library of board yes, games library. was, I think I counted about six tables long. Yeah. And then it stretched around the corner a bit. And stretched around the corner, and the games were stacked high. Stacked, stacked five or six Yeah. Deep. Oh, there's, there was another really cool thing that they do that I hope they do next year, because we've got a game for it. There was a game exchange table. So it's like, if you have an old board game that you're tired of that you don't want anymore, you leave it on the table and take one that looks interesting to you. I like that a lot. 
Because, and we have a yeah. we have a game at home that is an extremely good game, but it's one of these games that's that, good like five it, times. It's and good then you're for done. a few times, and then you've done. You've seen all the cards. It was fun. It's called yes. If Only I Had, and it's If Only I Had a Such and Such, and then you draw a card. I and would then, do this. I, I uh, you know, oh no, situation. If only I had, and then the other character, everybody else at the yeah. table throws down their card with of unlikely yeah. objects. So it's pretty similar to apples to apples like that. But so so yeah, it's like apples to apples. You've done it a few times, and then you know all the cards, and then you're done. Yeah, and this has a smaller th- deck, a smaller than, deck. Than apples to apples. So it was hilarious, and it's still hilarious. But I don't care to play it anymore. But now we want somebody else to have that joy. And if only we had the game. If only with I'd us. had the game with us. Yeah, but um, it was good, and yeah. I believe it's still marginally in print. It was a small independent producer, mm-hmm. and it was fun. Yeah. Can probably order it online, but if only I had remembered to bring that to trade it off. Yeah. Um, there was a board games au- auction. That's right. Some lucky and intelligent person got to buy Kingmaker. Mom, nobody bid on Kingmaker. Nobody bid on to it. To the best of my knowledge, nobody bid on Kingmaker, which is a huge disappointment because it's no longer in print. Like somebody donated. A their lot old of Avalon their old, Hill game. Old Avalon collection. Hill games no longer in print. And nobody bid on Kingmaker, no. which is one of my favorite childhood games. And I didn't bid on it because... Because we own it. We've got it. I, I thought about bidding on it because eventually I'm going to move out. Yeah. So... Oh, well, maybe you can send Jack some money and he'll send it to you. <laughs> um, maybe. I don't want to use my connections for evil, so... That's not evil. That's acquiring a... Co- a, a, a copy of Kingmaker. Eh, it's acquiring a copy of Kingmaker after the auction's already been finished. Depends what he's going to do with it. But I don't know. I don't. He works with students. It's he a works good with tool. Students. It's a really good tool. So I hope it does get some use from somebody. It's an um, ancient game. It's yes. got a thousand moving parts. If little to- if little round board tokens were cards, this would be a deck building. <laughs> game. Except your car. Except your deck eats other people's deck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, some deck builders are like that. Yeah, you can do it's, that with some. It's, it's built around the War of the Roses in England. Yeah. So basically... You're, you're making a king. You're making a king and, you know, devastating the rest of them. Yes. And periodically, plague hits an area and maybe the person who's about par- to win and gets plagued. Yeah, and, and sometimes, sometimes Parliament happens, but we've always ignored Parliament rules. But we always ignore... The game is already a three and a half hour game. Yeah. And if you added Parliament, you know, you may as well just dig in for the weekend. Yeah. Uh, we, we played many good games. Yes. We acquired yeah, good games. Yeah, I got, I got Mysterium, which I am looking forward to playing. I also got... Oh, yeah, that's right. There was a local publisher that was giving out games. Uh, uh, what's the name of the publisher? AEG or Ele- Fun to Eleven? Oh, these are the same guys who did the Castle Dice game. Oh, so yeah. so as long as we keep this, we will we remember. And then when they dice and then dice. when they put it out officially, we can buy it with with good money. But um, so the game Epic PvP was just a thing that happened for all attendees who had enough space on in their arms to carry it. And honestly, I've looked through it. I haven't actually gotten to play it yet. It's a solid game. You pick a deck for your class and a deck for your race. And you fight. <laughs> and the pieces fit neatly together. Yeah. You know how often when you've got, you know, your 
main thing card and your modifier card, and you've got to just sort of put them together and remember which one it is. Yeah. These are, they're they board. They fit into each other. They're, you know, board pieces, and the one is, has a concave and the other a convex edge, and they fit together. Yeah. There. And, um. They stay there. Racial diversity to a degree. Yes. There's, um, they're not all just straight Nordics. Yeah. They aren't all just, you know, generic looks weird. No. Like, the, the humans are both... Oh, oh, that's another thing that I liked. One side of the uh, token that you get to represent your race, one side is male, one side is female, so you can play as either. I really like that. That's good representation right there. And, okay, so the races are the ones that give you the face. The class is the one that gives you their clothes. There's no faces associated There's, with class. Yeah, the the, the class job description card it's just a pile of clothes or equipment yeah which is really very well, not, a, effective. not a pile it's like shaped into a figure but the figure has no face <laughs> yeah, so it's which is really nice yeah they've already mentioned in, in the uh, rules book that there are expansions and i will be looking for those expansions because they look really really good. interesting yeah it's, so you, you've got the base classes, the, the base races initially which is goblin human elf and dwarf and then the expansion has I think it's orcs and gnomes and halflings and another one that I don't remember. Cat people. Cat people. Yeah. And then the classes, I think there's... Paladin, ranger, rogue, ranger, and druid. Mm -hmm. And the expansion has a whack of other ones. Yeah. So it's it's definitely... It's a good game in itself and... Uh, it's, it's a good growing game. Yeah. It's very clear. The art is pleasant to look at. Easy to read. They and have few enough yeah. writing bits on a card that the print is, is allowed to be big enough for you to read it. Yes. Even at a distance and in less than perfect lighting conditions. Yeah. We tested that because we looked at it in the motel room. And motel rooms are never good for lighting. But yeah, so really good game. I'm like, honestly, I'd have paid money for this. Oh, yeah. I'd have, By veteran yeah. game designers Ryan Miller and Luke Peterschmidt. Nice reading there. That's a name. But um, a, a game that I would have paid good money for was free. Anyway. They that. figure it's a 15-minute game, so you can yeah. play a half a dozen rounds in a short time, or mm -hmm. it's just a good warm-up game. Yeah. So that was, I think that's pretty much been our Save Against Fear experience. Oh, in the, in the mall, there was a skewer shop. Yes. It's a small but quite nice food court. Yeah. It has uh, a Chinese food place. Subway. Subway. A uh, pizza place. Pizza and place. A burgerish place. A skewer. Skewer place. Everything skewer skewers. World. Skewer world, it's called. Basically, you can, you can get just a range of things that aren't fried. Yeah. So, you know, a nice lean food, mm -hmm. clean food. Um, a little saltier than I like sometimes, saltier, but with vegetables. Yeah, you know how hard it is to get vegetables on the road, or, in the or eating or in, or <laughs> eating convention food. There were vegetables. You can get a couple skewers of vegetables. Yeah, it's so super easy. And yeah, there nice. there are other food places. I'm carefully yeah. not doing product placement here. Yeah, but there are are other food places. In the vicinity. In the vicinity. Again, just such a good location. Cannot emphasize how much I like this location. Uh, good, inexpensive, but nice enough motels in the vicinity. As so in like a three-minute three drive. We'd have walked yeah. if the weather was nice. It, it was good convention weather. It was so good we, convention we could, weather. Yeah. It was, no, it was not bad weather to drive in. Then when immediately as, as we pulled in, the drizzle started. Yeah. And even as we were walking out the doors... 
The, the clouds opened. The clouds, were, <laughs> the clouds had parted and we walked out into the warm sunshine of an October evening. Yeah. Mind you, at this time of year, I don't associate warmth warm with, with October. October. But still, the sunlight was nice. Yeah. So it was perfect convention weather. We were inside in the warm. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that, that was that Save was Against our... Fear for us. That was Save Against Fear number seven. Seven. I, I do hope we that we get to come back next year. Um, there were a number of people who I got to play with who were like, so are you coming back next year? Because we like people who return to our convention here. And I, I hope to return. It was so lovely. Everyone here was so nice. It was very good. Yeah. If I have the time, I might want to volunteer just because I hope that the convention grows. And if it grows, they will need more volunteers. But I don't know if I don't know how long volunteer training lasts. But there's always some sorts of jobs. Yeah. For even, volunteer. Just like, even if it's just like I help uh, set up and tear down. Yeah. I'd be fine with just helping with that. But yeah. There is always a room for volunteers. Yes. And it's good to volunteer because mm-hmm. that's what makes things work. Yeah. And it was just so good to see so many people working so hard on something that turned out so, so well. well, yes. It was so good. Uh, anyway, I think we should probably leave it there before we go over an hour. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, because we're at, what, 50-something minutes now? It'll let it down, but we've been talking for a while. So anyway, thanks for listening to this bonus episode, and we will catch you next time. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, share-alike license. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nihilor.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good, and happy gaming.